What is Christian deconstruction, and should we fear it? Welcome to the Beyond the Lines podcast. In a world where there are a few loud voices spreading division, we want you to know that there are more of us who want unity and love. We love beyond the lines of differences so that our lives can be full of diversity. Come and listen with us and join a movement of people who are willing to love all people at all times. Today on the podcast, we have Zach Davies joining us to talk about deconstruction. Deconstruction has become kind of a buzzword over the last year in the Christian community, so we wanted to have a conversation about what it is so that we can love those who might be experiencing it. And hey, maybe you're deconstructing your faith right now. We might have some helpful insights for you as well, but, but please don't take our word for it. Take a listen to our podcast today and decide for yourself as you figure out your own journey with Jesus. All right. My name is Jonathan Miller, and I'm your designated listener today on the podcast. And today I have Clayton Edelman, my co-listener. Welcome, what up? Clayton. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited about today's topic, actually. Awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, DJ tried to say the D word, he called it, on one of our episodes. <laughs> and he said, I was like, why are you, why are you, you know, it could be a controversial topic. And uh, people have heard about it in the intro already. Um, but we have a really cool person, a neat person on the podcast today, and Zach Davies. He has done some talking with people. He's done some workshops on deconstruction. And Zach is also one of our pastors on staff. So That's welcome, right. Zach. Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the podcast today. And I'm so excited to talk about deconstruction. Um, our goal here today is to just learn and grow from this. I think there's actually a lot of fear that's coming, that is surrounding this word, deconstruction. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, you know, I would like to delve into why that is. Um, and I, but I think one of the biggest issues I've seen with this term of deconstruction is it's kind of a dilemma that we that all words face, and that is one of definitions. Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't have the right definition down, then <laughs> we could be talking about the same word, but totally different things altogether. And this happens to a lot of words in deconstruction. I think I've seen a lot of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So let's get on the same page here. What does deconstruction mean, and, and how do you define it? Yeah, I, I think that uh, deconstruction means different things to different people. I, I think if we were going to give a, a general uh, understanding of what deconstruction is, you just look at the word uh, at face value. You got construction in there, right, which is to build, but then you got the D in there. So it's really to to take apart uh, something that's been constructed. And to me, that's the most helpful way to think about it. Um, when we talk about deconstructing our faith, um, what a lot of people hear in that is deconversion. And that, mm -hmm. I think that does happen. People do walk away from faith. People do walk away from church. But that's not, uh, I think, the function or the purpose of deconstruction. Hmm. It really is. Um, and there's a lot of ways you could think about it. Um, but you can think about it sort of like, um, you know, if you've watched those renovation shows, uh, somebody buys an, an old property and they come in and they, they renovate it. That's really, to me, the purpose of, of uh, deconstruction. How do you take what... Um, what doesn't work for you anymore, and how do you make it fit uh, fit what what matches your your worldview, what matches uh, how you see things? Mm. And so sometimes those are uh, it can be a triggering event, right? It can be something that happened in your life, uh, something that happened to you or someone you love, something that happened at church, uh, a, a way of approaching the Bible that can trigger these uh, these thoughts of. Um, deconstruction. Okay, so this doesn't work for me anymore. This isn't how I think about things anymore. So what do I do with that? And so really, I like to think of deconstruction more as uh, a renovation, um, uh, just trying to take what is 
broken in a lot of ways in um, making it making it fit. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I guess a lot of people might be thinking like, okay, when we're de- deconstructing our faith, or or they hear about somebody deconstructing their faith, the first red flag I would think people would pop up in their head is like, well, there's nothing wrong with our faith. Why are you tearing it apart as if it's there's something wrong with it? Like, right? What do you say to that? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I think there are uh, foundations of our faith, right? Which, um, you know, there are foundations of a house, if we use that analogy again. Um, and of course, we all know that Jesus, is, as Christians, is the foundation of our faith. And that's where, again, the difference between deconversion and uh, deconstruction, uh, where we have to recognize the difference there, and we so often don't recognize the difference there. Um, deconstruction is taking the harmful things in... Um, in our spiritual walk, in our in our understanding of our spiritual walk, and saying, "Hey, this doesn't this doesn't work, right? This doesn't fit um, who I understand God to be and who I understand Jesus to be anymore." Mm-hmm. And I need to do something about that. And so it's taking the furniture and rearranging it, or saying, "Hey, we've got too much room in our in this bedroom. Let's 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 reconstruct this and make it look uh, make it work uh, for our family now." Hmm. Yeah. Do you think this is a process that people go through from based on kind of what they learned in their childhood from their parents? Maybe it's a a generational Christianity or maybe this can happen in other religions as well. I don't know. I'm I'm mostly hearing it in the Christian uh, sector, but uh, but then they grow up, they face maybe what you call the real world. And they're like, okay, either I have to lose my faith here or I start trying to fit all these new things that I've never even heard before and and look at my faith and 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 take a, a real glance at it and say okay what is from God's word in what I believe and what isn't mm-hmm. yeah i i think uh, what you're speaking to Jonathan is this idea that a deconstruction happens sort of like in a vacuum like on its on its own and it's like oh he just he got sucked into uh, deconstruction um, when re- the reality is, uh, deconstruction is just a, it's a, to me, it's a cycle. It's a process that happens and, uh, it really happens throughout our life. You see it happen throughout scripture. You see it happen mm. throughout church history. And, uh, it's a, it starts with construction. You know, we're, we're all taught things. We all, uh, make assumptions about things in our life. And that's true of our spiritual walk as well. I mean, there are things that in Sunday school, I remember hearing that maybe the teacher wasn't saying that I believed about God mm-hmm. or that I believed about heaven and hell or that I believed about scripture. And those things formed me, right or wrong, they formed me. Yeah. And so we do have to have times in our life, there will be times in our life where we have to uh, deconstruct, where we have to reconstruct uh, what it is that we were taught or the things that we assumed about our faith when we encounter conversations, when we encounter uh, heartache, and when we encounter uh, things we don't know what to do with or how to process them. Mm-hmm. And so those are, to me, it's a, a, if there's something I, I could get across <laughs> to just everyone um, that's listening, deconstruction, is a, to me, it's a good thing. It is a healthy thing, and it's a normal thing. And so this, is, this stigma that Christians especially attach to the idea of deconstruction, if we could just remove that stigma for a moment and recognize, you know, I think there's a lot of Holy Spirit uh, moving mm. in this deconstruction journey uh, for individuals, but also as we look at the culture as a whole. Yeah. 
There's a lot of good things to take out of that. And I, I appreciate that you said it's a good thing to deconstruct because I do think that's that's the stigma that Christians maybe have is like, hey, if you deconstruct, you go into that vacuum of there's no coming back. Like you're going to de-evangelize. And that's not the reality um, that you pointed out for us. And I think even... I think some of my process of just walking through things actually started with conversations with you and some of our coworkers at a lunch, just reading a book, Jesus and John Wayne. And the encouragement at that time when I was like, what is this book? Like, what, what are you guys talking about? Was, hey, just like, I would read this if you're in a solid place with your relationship with Jesus, um, to which I am and I was. And I think that really helped me process, hey, you know, people, the church, the capital C church and people in the church have sinned and have failed God in many ways and failed people as a result um, because of how they're living their lives. But that doesn't mean at the end of the end of the day that God is still failing. Um, And I think about like something my parents told me when I was a kid was um, people will always fail you, but God never will. And so that means the church will fail you because the church, the ecclesia is people. And so um, I think if we can walk into this conversation of deconstruction and be like, hey, it's okay to to be wrestling with things and to have questions, mm-hmm. that's a really good place to be. Um, like I even think of Jacob, you know, mm-hmm. Jacob in Genesis had his, his struggles with God and wrestled with him and wa- walked out with a limp. And I think we can wrestle with God in this space of deconstruction, walk away maybe with a limp of, okay, here's some things I learned, but be in a really good place for the future. So mm-hmm. that's Absolutely. my thought about it. Yeah, I think that's great. And if, if it's okay, I think we got to let's let's put this in like the real world and the Bi- like as I mentioned earlier, the Bible, church history, deconstruction happens and happened all the time. And so the idea isn't necessarily new. I think the cultural experience we have of deconstruction right now is new in a lot of ways. But um, if you look to scripture, one of my favorite and uh, one of my favorite apostles uh, is Thomas, right? We call him doubting Thomas. but um, throughout his journey, when you read scripture and come across Thomas, it's constantly this idea of who he thought Jesus was, and really all the disciples experienced this, who I thought Jesus was, and then the revelation of who Jesus truly is. Um, there was a lot of uh, deconstruction happening in the disciples' lives as they walked their walked through uh, their journey with Jesus. I think that's true for us as well. You know, as we walk our, our journey with Jesus, we will deconstruct things. Um, some, some, for some people to be bigger than others, and for some people it won't. But uh, Thomas thought Jesus had died, right? If you, if you look to when uh, Jesus was crucified, I mean, he, he did die, he died, right? Yeah. <laughs> and three days later, uh, his, all of his friends, uh, the women that were there, um, all of them are trying to convince Thomas that Jesus rose from the dead. And you have to put yourselves in Thomas's shoes and say, all my friends have gone crazy. I don't like, what do I do with this? Because I saw him die and we buried him. And now everyone, all my friends, you know, Clearly, the, the stress has gotten to them, right? He's trying to process this. And Jesus uh, shows up a week later, right? So seven days go, goes by, and Jesus uh, shows up to Thomas, and he says, put your hands here, and put your hands in my side. So Thomas is able to experience Jesus in this new way, resurrected. And Thomas says, to me, one of the most profound things in all of Scripture. He says, my Lord and my God. And of course, we, you know, as Christians today, we say, Jesus is God, right? That's not a big thing. This is Thomas. This is the first time it's revealed in all of Scripture um, and, and, and that Jesus is God, 
right? Thomas, doubting Thomas through this deconstruction journey gets a, the better understanding than any other disciples of who Jesus really is. Jesus is God. He says, my Lord and my God, he says this to Jesus. I think it's just a, a good example of, of really the good and the health that can come with deconstruction. Yeah. You know, you also look at uh, Martin Luther, you know, a guy who deconstructed uh, the, the, the fundamental problems with the Catholic Church and just said, hey, this is not, this is not what it's supposed to be. He was deconstructing his faith. Can, can, can you imagine what that felt like to go against the church uh, of that time? Not only was it dangerous, but you have your own personal love, right? He didn't want to split the church. He, he wanted reconciliation to take place, and that was through the process of, of deconstruction. So deconstruction is, is a good thing mm-hmm. uh, if it's done in a healthy way. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point uh, just by saying t- with, about Thomas um, and also saying what we often call him of doubting Thomas, yeah. which I think is actually almost a tragedy mm. because this guy, like all the other apostles, pretty much were, was martyred at one point. I actually visited, when I was in India, <clears throat> I visited St. Thomas Mount where tradition says that he was martyred on top of this mountain uh, for preaching the gospel of Jesus. Like he went all the way. Like he didn't doubt God forever. Right. And we also kind of had this thing in our kind of Christian subculture of like, it's almost like it's a sin to doubt. Like doubting Thomas, that means he's a sinner and he is such a loser. He's one of the worst disciples. You know, like we, yeah. we, we might not say that out loud, but there's definitely some connotations. Like, like that's a shameful name that we give him, even though he was just as faithful as the other disciples in bringing the good news to other people or from like across the world. Like, and, and being a part of that. And yet we label him because one time he doubted. Right. And I think we have the tendency to do that with our brothers and sisters who are deconstructing their faith right now and saying, no, 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 you're a doubter. Mm-hmm. You know, what, why do we feel the need to shame people who are struggling with uh, some of the questions of faith? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it fundamentally comes down to... Um, you know, when you when you are renovating something, you're changing things, right? And uh, as human beings, change does not come naturally to most of us. And it's especially true when we talk about our faith journey that um, we can get really rigid sometimes, and we can get really fundamental uh, in our beliefs and really narrow in on things. And that if it doesn't follow exactly how I think it should happen, regardless of what Scripture teaches and what Jesus taught. Um, then you're going off the rails, right? We're very quick to say you're going off the rails. Um, you know, uh, back when when Rob Bell was going through all those things just a, a decade yeah. uh, ago, uh, one of the well-known things that happened was John Piper said, farewell, Rob Bell, right? Uh, mm-hmm. on, on Twitter, this like famous thing that happened. It was just, we're just quick to say that to people. We're quick to say farewell. You know what? You, you disagree on this one issue uh, or this, this one thought, and it's farewell. And I think that's just a, a natural inclination that uh, that many Christians have, not all. I think there's reasons for that, but um, I think I think just the the fear of what of what could the, what what could that bring um, if you just start to go off the trails, mm-hmm. slippery slope idea. Yeah, man, I hear I've heard that my whole life. It's like it's a slippery slope. Yeah, and I think something is really important here. I think is that this is not a fun process for people. I, I, I saw, I'm not going to mention the Christian leader who said this, but they, there is this huge uh, viral video going out of this major Christian leader in the West, and, and he was like, 
you know, it's a fad. It's really fun. And like people are all getting deconstructed now and they're all leaving the faith. And then, you know, and he was like, like shaming again, shaming these people. And the, I saw this on TikTok, and, uh, somebody was responding to it in the comments. People were like, yeah, what it's, it's fundamentally painful to go through this pot process. This is not fun for anybody. Even a person who leaves the faith entirely, they choose to make that choice. It is not a choice that is easy, that is painless. And, uh, the last thing that's going to help them is saying, oh, you're just uh, somebody who enjoys a good time. That I, I think 99% of the time is totally false and unhelpful to the conversation. Absolutely. Some of like the larger church culture that has kind of been going around, um, whether you hear about stories about like the Mars Hill podcast, talking about the mm-hmm. fall of that church, or books like Jesus and John Wayne, or um, I was texting DJ last night, and there's like a new TV series about Hillsong, and like a mega church exposed is what it's called. Mm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of like, that's the social media I guess I would see of like publicized media of, hey, here's where people have gone wrong, and here's how the church has hurt people. Um, but yeah, keeping in mind like, you know, what you were talking about with that pastor, like, I would almost have to disagree and be like, man, like, if you're, if you're not deconstructing to some degree, if you're not asking yourself hard questions about what you believe in, because if you really look back at like what we believe in, we believe in a virgin birth and a, a guy who died on a cross and rose three days later, like, fundamentally, those are crazy ideas. Yep. So if we're yeah. not asking ourselves honest questions and, and deconstructing in a in a healthy way. Um, I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing as a Christian? Kind of like, um, yeah, that's interesting that, and it's sad. I would say, I'm sorry to anyone who maybe has been shamed for deconstructing or going through stuff like that. Cause Mm -hmm. as a pastor, as somebody who loves Jesus and wants people to love Jesus, like, I don't want you to feel shame to have questions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you, you bring up a good point. There are uh, there are lots of ways that people deconstruct their faith, and we've we've kind of hinted at these ideas that there are. Uh, I don't want to say healthy and unhealthy. Um, that's just my personal approach of of the way you wordsmith it. I, I just think it's unhelpful to say there are unhealthy ways uh, to deconstruct because uh, I get um, there's a lot of hurt uh, around church and around mm-hmm. faith right now. You could give a hundred reasons for that. So I don't want to I don't want to create an environment where people feel more shame, but I do think there are tools you can use uh, to approach deconstructing in a way that I think would benefit you better than other ways, and um, I I do I do believe that um, in this in this moment in time as we're all as we're talking in 2022 and really the past couple of years there has been this cultural phenomenon of people uh, walking away from faith and walking away from church. I think a lot of times that that just happens out of pain and heartache and just uh, a sense of loss. And I think the church at at large, Big C Church, we have to, and as church leaders, as Christian leaders, we have to take some responsibility for that and say uh, we need to do a better job of listening and slowing down and uh, seeking to understand. Hmm. You mentioned there are some tools that are helpful for yeah. like healthy deconstruction. Can you walk us through just what that looks like? So yeah, I think there are uh, a number of tools uh, that you can take as you look at that um, idea of processing deconstruction in a way that's helpful. 
in a way that uh, you don't have to give up the foundation of your faith, which is Jesus, right? And that's what Scripture teaches. And uh, I think ultimately, whether when I when I have conversations with people that are in the midst of deconstruction, very few people struggle with the idea of Jesus, right? Um, Jesus is the foundation of our faith, and there is a, a compelling uh, reality behind behind that. I mean, when we talk about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, there is something more compelling than that than even we can put in the, in those words. Mm-hmm. The life of Jesus, uh, the kingdom-oriented nature that He's called us to live. There is there's something very compelling about that. When I talk to people, they're not. The problem is not with Jesus. Um, the problem often revolves around church, uh, church hurt, and things that they mis, uh, misunderstood or have heard Christians say that doesn't reconcile for them with who they understand Jesus to be. And so, really, as long as we're keeping the foundation, the foundation, you're in a, in a good spot. But I, there's three things that I would say, you know, if you're looking for tools to process your deconstruction in a helpful way where you can maintain that uh, spiritual uh, reality with Jesus, but also process through things. The first one would be uh, do it in, in the context of community. You know, um, when we are on our own, um, we fall we fall prey to uh, unhealthy thoughts. We fall prey to just the way we think, right? And so it helps to process things, especially difficult things, in the context of community. Mm. And, you know, at Central, there's a number of ways to do that. And uh, maybe put a, a link to some of those yeah. ways, but um, the, the, find community, find people that you trust to have those conversations. I, I personally love having those types of conversations with people. I find them; they fill me up. Um, I feel like that's what one of the reasons God has me where He has me is to do that. That's the first recomm- first tool to use is don't do it on your own. Um, that's where you uh, that's where you fall into the trap of being hopeless. Hmm. And Jesus is the opposite of hopeless, right? He, uh, we are, we are uh, enslaved to hope, to put it in a weird way, um, as Christians. That is just who we are. And if we start finding yourself in the place of hopelessness, um, I encourage you to find some community. Uh, the second I'd say is embrace the questions. We kind of already talked about that idea. Um, if you, you know, there was this quote by Rachel Held Evans, and she said something to the effect of, you know, if, you're, if your full body and mind and spirit can't, um, can't engage with the questions uh, that naturally come about with faith, you're not living uh, a life of faith, you're living a life of fear. And so don't be afraid of questions. Uh, I'd also say uh, don't be uh, unnaturally skeptical and... Um, but ask questions and don't be afraid to, to ask those questions because they're normal. And the reality is everybody has the same questions uh, that you have. Yeah. And there's definitely a difference between straight up cynicism and, and, and wanting to ask questions. Absolutely. Cause I think cynicism is like, I'm going to question everything and no matter what you say, I have a negative perception of it. It's having an open mind with these questions too. Yep. You know, uh, and skepticism can be good because, and sometimes because you maybe you had a leader in your past or a teacher or a parent or something like that gave you some false perceptions or or maybe even spiritually abused you. Um, that's a big theme right now. I'm I'm seeing on like TikTok and whatnot is spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. and that does happen, and it's it's traumatic. And so 
I think sometimes skepticism of being like, okay, are you actually preaching the word of God? Are you actually teaching these things that are from Jesus? Or are these things from you and your interpretation of, of what's going on? So right. I think skepticism can be good. It's just sometimes I think a lot of people start going like, cause they've been hurt and I understand it, but you start leaning to straight up cynicism and right. nothing, there's nothing that can be said um, right. to help you or to help guide you or answer your questions because that's, there's no answer that's that's good enough. And if you're in that place, you know, I totally get it. I, I understand. Um, and we love you. Uh, but just know that I think there is hope. I think there are answers to your questions um, if you would open up a little bit. But again, I totally understand the pain. Um, and I don't want to discount that either. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's easy to find yourself, I think, just in today's world, in a place of cynicism. Mm-hmm. And so you have to combat that. And that's part of our spiritual walk, right? Is uh, we have to reorient. Um, disorientation, that's, de- that's deconstruction. So reorient, and it's reorient around Jesus. And so that's the third point, or the third tool, uh, is embrace Jesus. Um, you know, Clayton, I think you articulated it so well. Uh, the church will fail you. Your family will fail you. Your friends will fail you. Um, your interpretation of things will, will fail you. The thing that won't fail you is Jesus, the person of Jesus. And that is the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus. That is what the bedrock of our foundation of our faith is. And um, cling to him because that is, uh, that is the thing that, that will not forsake you. Uh, and that is the thing that you can uh, ultimately rest on and know is that uh, the person work of Jesus uh, won't let you down. That's where the hope is. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, you and I work closely with something that we do at our church called Rooted. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talk about is sharing our story. Because when we share our story, we we let others know that, hey, you're not alone in what you're walking through. Um, and people start to recognize, like, hey, other people have the same thoughts, same questions. And so as our resident uh, expert on deconstruction in this podcast, <laughs> could you just walk us through um, a little bit of your story and why you've gone through this and just helping our listeners like get to know who you are a little bit more um, and what you had to go through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, again, this doesn't all happen in a vacuum, right? There's a reason that... Uh, this is a passion of mine and something I spend my, my time and, and efforts in. And that is because I experienced it personally. Um, the, just this idea of deconstruction is something I experienced regularly. But I was in high school. Um, I grew up in the church. Um, many of my friends um, stopped attending church. And uh, there were a lot of reasons for that. But it, it caused me to have to ask questions of like, okay, so they're not going to church anymore. And... And I'm still here, so why, why am I going to church, right? And it just led down this natural uh, process. Some of that was related to some church hurt. A youth pastor was kind of forced out uh, of his position at that time. And so a lot of people stopped going to church there, and you have to wrestle with as a young person. Well, it's the church. Like, you, you don't do things like that, right? You don't make, you don't make those kind of decisions. We care about people, and you, you have to wrestle with all these ideas and I grew up in a, in a pretty, what I'd call conservative um, environment where uh, biblical literal, literalism was taught. Um, and that's just the idea that everything that happened in the Bible historically, literally happened. And, and if you hold that view, that's completely fine. Uh, you know, but um, as you look at Scripture, uh, there are plenty of things uh, when you read it that um, you, have to, you have to ask those questions. And a lot of historical... Uh, a lot of historical details 
um, a lot of scholars would say, hey, you know, there's there's debate as to what this means, right? Uh, there's many interpretations when you look at those things. But that's not what I was taught. I was taught, you know, dinosaurs were uh, were alive when Adam and Eve were alive, and you know, all these things. And there's if if you got that view, you have that view. But um, those things started to be challenged. Uh, those views were challenged in, in science class, right, in, in high school and as I went into college as well. Um, I, my friends all of a sudden didn't all, all have the same beliefs as me, and the thought of, of evolution came up, and how old is the... And so I, am I dumb because I believe these things? And it just caused me to have to reflect and think through these things. And then finally, um, you know, I went to seminary, and um, quite a bit of church hurt came uh, out of that where myself and a few of my friends were accused of things that just weren't true. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, something was said, it was kind of a he said, she said moment. And as a result, in a lot of ways was basically, you know, excommunicated. Uh, <laughs> that's a strong word, but they just stopped supporting, talking, engaging with us wow. all because of a, a statement that was made that was flat out a lie and just not true. Mm-hmm. And even if it was true, it's not a reason to, to treat college age students that are going into ministry that way. And so that deeply hurt me, um, deeply hurt my family and where my family, many in my family don't go to church anymore, hmm. um, d- almost directly as a result of that. And so, um, there, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've had to process, <laughs> just been forced to that place of deconstruction. And so again, I, I just go back to this idea of it's a process where you have this construction in your mind of what you think the church or faith or the Bible is all about and then something triggers that, and you go into this uh, deconstruction or this disorientation. And it's not a fun place to be, and it's not a fad. But you come out on the other end, and the hope is that you're reoriented and that you're able to restructure your faith around uh, the person, the work of Jesus. Yeah. And ultimately, you have a healthier faith because of it. And hopefully, you can still retain those contexts, even uh, as you say, like, I still respect people who have the, uh, what is it called, the new earth, uh, uh, like, a point of view of scripture, and uh, I just think of, like, how grateful I am that my parents brought me up uh, knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's many things I don't agree anymore, because I've kind of deconstructed certain aspects of what they taught me, um, and what church taught me, not just them, but I'm still, I guess, even eternally grateful that they brought me up to be to know Jesus. And I am so grateful for what they did. And they are both first generation Christians and they didn't know what they're doing most of the time. Um, but they did a great job in my opinion. And even though they didn't get a hundred percent of everything correctly or anything like that and who can, right. And who can, (laughs) right. I'm still so grateful for them and, uh, what they did, even though today I might not agree on all the different aspects of theology or following Jesus that they, they would follow. But I'm still so grateful for it, and I think you can. Come, if you could come to that place as well of, and I'm still working on it. I, you know, I'm not perfect, but coming to a place of like, okay, a lot of what I was taught here, some of it wasn't right, and it actually is causing me harm. I, what if I deconstructed that? But I'm still grateful for the fact that I heard of it in the first place, and I heard about Jesus in the first place, and I think the Bible teaches us. Uh, strongly that that gratefulness and thanksgiving and uh, knowing that God has been in control since the beginning uh, through the whole process and being thankful for that is is a core value of the Bible is is thankfulness mm-hmm. and so 
it, it it's probably the direct counterpart, like the the opposite of cynicism, mm-hmm. right? Of seeing the world like okay, it's not it's not it's not over it's not naivete or whatever I can't say yeah. that word, but uh, it's 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 still saying okay things are perfect, but I could be grateful in the midst of it. Amen. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful articulation of what a healthy and mature uh, response in the midst of deconstruction looks like. Is exactly what you just described. But are there any other books or resources that you've read that have helped you kind of walk through deconstruction? There's a, a book that's recently come out called Bullies and Saints, mm. and so uh, really walks through the history of uh, of the church and just calls the aces the aces and uh, the mistakes the mistakes of the church. And uh, what, what the the beautiful thing about that book is the author talks about this idea that when Jesus came to earth, uh, he played this beautiful symphony mm-hmm. for mankind of this is this is the kingdom ethic. This is the way of Jesus. And he played this beautiful melody for us. And he's charged his church with playing this. And there have been times in church history where it was played beautifully, mm-hmm. right? You read uh, about the early church and uh, the Reformation movement of just like people coming and really just really getting what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And then we also got the reality that there's been times where it sounded like a bunch of seventh graders trying to do the, do the rehearsal, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, this hurts my ears. Like this is, surely this is not what God wanted, right? And uh, no, this is not how God wanted it to be played. It's the same notes, but uh, it's not played the way Jesus wanted it to be played. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are times, and I think we're in one of those times where we're trying to get better at playing uh, the symphony that Jesus uh, laid out for his church to play. And so that is the messiness that we see all around us right now. Yeah. And I think there's beauty that can come out of that. So that's that's what gives me hope. And something I love about Bullies and Saints, I had the opportunity to read it as well, is that uh, throughout history, there have been some terrible things. Uh, mm-hmm. People can name them off easily, like the Crusades, Inquisitions. Um, and But always during those bad things, there's actually another melody line. There's a, There's somebody else in the world, somebody else, maybe even the same place that the Crusades are originating, for example, who is playing the melody that Jesus called them to and is loving um, that, you know, I mean, people might not know that uh, hospitals came from Jesus followers who wanted to help the sick and the poor uh, because they wanted to do that. And that happened at the same time, you know, as, as some other terrible stuff that the, that Christians were responsible for. And so you have these contrasting things where it's like, okay, that's terrible, you know, and that's part of my tradition. That's part of my uh, legacy is Christians have messed up, but also on the other side of things is like, oh, wait, but they did some really cool stuff too. And it's really important that we see both. And so I really highly recommend that book as well. Uh, If you are questioning, okay, you've heard of the Crusades and you're like, yeah, yeah, Christians suck. And, and <laughs> you know, and some of that, that absolutely sucks. That is, that shouldn't have happened. But there's other things that are going on at the same time. And getting a wide perspective of it, like Bullies and Saints does a great job saying, this is the bad stuff. There's bad stuff. Hey, I'm a Christian. This is all the bad stuff, right? You want to read about the bad stuff? Let's go to Bullies and Saints. But there's also, hey, check it out. There's some good stuff too. Yeah. And so as you're deconstructing, you might realize like, oh, these two don't need to always be together. Right. They might be separate. Right. Yeah. yeah that's good. I'm glad you recommended that. That's great. It's a good book. Yep. Clayton, do you have anything else to say today? I do have a final thought that yes. I can leave us with. I could feel it. I could sense it in the force. 
<laughs> the presence. Um, as we're just talking about all this deconstruction, I was reminded of Mark 9. And uh, to summarize it for everyone, uh, Jesus encounters a boy who's uh, got like a demon in him pretty much. And um, this dad, you know, is like, can you help, you know, get this, this demon out? And so Jesus uh, interacts with the boy and does eventually drive the demon out. But in uh, verse 24, we read this, and this is the dad speaking, uh, somebody who has directly encountered Jesus's goodness and seen it firsthand, uh, but was still walking through doubts and, and deconstruction. But he says this, uh, after it has all happened, he says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Mm. And so I guess that would be my encouragement to all of us here, to those who are listening. Um, there's probably stuff that we're all wrestling with, um, and dealing with from a day-to-day basis, but Jesus is still the same Jesus that he was that we read about. And so, uh, maybe we could embody the prayer of this dad of, I believe, just help me overcome my belief. Unbelief, yeah. That's really good. I love that verse. I've said it many times in my life when I've been going through some kind of phase of deconstruction, probably. And I was like, God, I <laughs> I believe. But please help me where I don't. <laughs> you know, right. I don't I don't understand everything. And I think that's just the the life of a Christian. Yeah. Is in a follower of Jesus is there is not always certainty. That's not something Jesus promised. <laughs> he did not promise 100% certainty at all times. No. He promised to be with us. Yep. Amen. So thank you, Zach, for being here today for this special podcast on deconstruction. I've, I'm really happy with uh, where it went, and, and thank you for sharing your thoughts and uh, your expertise in this area. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Well... Uh, that is it for today, everyone. But before you go, please give us a review on iTunes or something. We believe strongly in what we're doing here at Beyond the Lines, and we believe strongly in the stories that we've had the opportunity to share. So please share them. Um, there's some amazing people who've shared their stories, and we want them out there so people can learn and grow and learn to be good listeners. By giving us a review, you could be a part of that uh, and part of sharing it. And and also share this episode. Just click the share button wherever that is um, on whatever platform you're on, on YouTube uh, or on any of the podcasting platforms. I'm sure there's a way to share it. Uh, please figure it out for our sake. Uh, <laughs> all right. If you're on YouTube, give us a comment. I'd love to see you in the comments. Uh, but we record here at Central Christian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Our community here is pursuing the mantra of love beyond, which calls us to empathize with people who are different and build bridges with peace. If you're interested at all in learning more about our church, check us out at centralaz.com. We have online services as well as a bunch of different locations in the Phoenix metro area if you're local. We will see you at next episode of Beyond the Lines. Until then, start loving beyond your lines. Thank you, everybody.